Just once in a while you see a young person come through and you can just see the natural leadership qualities. You know, there's something special about them. You kind of get to a point where you're getting left behind. And I worked it out pretty early on in the piece that better to be seen in front of your mates as being the tough guy, the funny guy, than the dumb kid. Welcome to the RM Williams Outback Great Australians podcast. I'm Terry Cowley from RM Williams Outback magazine. I hope you enjoy hearing from the inspirational men and women who fairly leap from the pages of our new Great Australians publication. One such is the very passionate Bernie Shakeshaft, who is really shaking things up from his base in Armidale, New South Wales. The youth mentor and founder of support program Backtrack is determined to mend a broken system that leaves broken people with broken dreams. Big thanks to Elders Insurance for sponsoring our podcast. At Elders Insurance, the agents are local and trusted members of the community who get to know you and your situation. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. We pay our respects to their culture and leaders, past, present and emerging. Larrikin turned NT ringer, youth worker and former Australian of the Year local hero Bernie Shakeshaft is dedicated to helping kids who have slipped through the cracks through his Armadale-based support program Backtrack. Thanks for your time today, Bernie. No worries. Lovely to be here. Can you tell me a bit about the young people currently involved with Backtrack? Yeah, look. I guess often when kids come to us, it's because we've kind of hit the end of the rope. There's not other service providers or specialty services that can look after them. So standard sort of kid, often kicked out of home, often or mostly entirely kicked out of the education system. Many have, you know, used their three police cautions, struggling with drug and alcohol addictions and mental health stuff. So that's a bit of a snapshot of of what most of the young people look like. So we work with the majority of boys, but we do have a small girls program as well. And then in the old days, when we started, we were dealing with 16 and 17-year-olds. Now, a lot of our referrals are coming through at 10, 11, and 12 years of age, which is quite alarming because we're now seeing kids not make the transition from primary school into high school. That, that's a bit of a snapshot. 10 through to 25, as they get older, traditionally young people stay with us for long periods of time. So in in addition with the young kids that we work with, we also employ about 35 young people. I might just read a quote from one of your backtrack alumni. His name is Zach Craig. I'd be in jail if I hadn't met Bernie. I got in with the wrong people and was hanging out with a bunch of runamucks doing stupid SHIT like drugs. One day he took me aside and said, here's some advice. Be the shepherd, not the sheep. That's pretty highbrow stuff there, Bernie. Oh, look, just once in a while you see a young person come through and you can just see the natural leadership qualities. You know, there's something special about them. If you can look through all the tough stuff going on in their lives and um, we've got a saying at Backtrack, look for the gold. That young fella early on in the program, you could just tell he was going to go somewhere special. Yeah, so that's Zach. Zach's actually working for us. He's one of our supervisors now. He helps us out speaking at different events and things. He's natural born leader. Part of what we do is try and get peers to lead their mates along. And when we first met Zach, he was certainly that natural leader leading his mates along, but that was getting them uh, all into a fair bit of trouble with the cops and drug and alcohol issues and wagon school. But the beauty of these long-term programs is that you can hang on and, and really form strong relationships with them. And I think that's the 
the basis to it. Your idea of bringing working dogs into the mix has been described as a bit of a masterstroke. You had often adopted strays as pets when you were younger. Yeah, so look, always been bringing busted things home, animals, now it's kids. But yeah, look, it wasn't really a masterstroke. It wasn't a planned thing. It was just philosophy of keep trying different things. Something that you're doing isn't working. Don't just hang on and hang on and grind your way through it, which is kind of what happens with a lot of the government-funded programs uh, for at-risk kids. You kind of get locked into doing one thing, and even if it's not working, you've got to persist with it. So the dogs sort of just stumbled across us. I mean, I always had dogs around. I had a pile of, uh, what would you call them, pretty feral pups, just hadn't been handled much, you know, young sheep dogs, but pups, pile of pretty feral kids that we were working with, and we were just trying thing after thing. So from welding to climbing walls to computer stuff, nothing was really had the hooks in. And one day I just tipped this pile of pups out with this pile of wild, erratic kids. It was the first time in 12 months that I'd just seen this beautiful, gentle way young people were going about nursing these little pups. It kind of took off from there. Now it's in every aspect of what we do. Uh, we work in remote schools uh, where young people that won't have a go at reading sit and read to a dog for an hour a week. The girls program take the dogs into the old people's homes and, and often we hear in those nursing homes it's the only day some people get out of bed is when those kids show up with bloody dogs. Then you look at crime rates. There are only two local government areas in New South Wales with long-term juvenile crime stats with downward trends and Armadale is down nearly 50%. For those dogs, and we know this is a national statistic, 20% of the kids will do 80% of your damage. So when you purposely target that 20% of the kids and in Armadale, I'm not sure what it's like in other towns, but Friday and Saturday nights seem to be a reoccurring problem. Drug and alcohol fueled sort of events, nowhere safe to go back and sleep at night or to be. So what we do is take the kids on the road and uh, compete in working dog high jump events. So they're in most rural shows right around the countryside. So we kind of try and design activities at times of highest risk. Seems pretty straightforward to me. So it's not just playing with the dogs, you're obviously going and competing and winning competitions. Yeah. And if you've had a kid that's never really had many wins, hasn't had them at home, hasn't had them at school, to come and win, you know, we've had a world record and won two Australian titles, but it's not about the titles, it's about the kids competing and they absolutely love it. You know, in 12, 15 years, probably of traveling around to different shows with dogs and kids. Now, these are the kids that are in trouble all the time. I don't think we've ever even been chipped by a security guard in, in 15 years. So when those kids pull on those shirts, when they've got that dog lead in their hand and it teaches them to be responsible for something, the two of them just seem to click. We do a bit of work with horses as well, but it's harder to take 20 horses on a school excursion. Definitely. So setting up Backtrack, that was, I believe, somewhat born out of frustration with the limitations of other youth support services. I've been in the game for a long time. I think programs are all siloed in Australia. You know, if you work for the education department, uh, you just get education funding and that's all you worry about is kids reading and writing. We take a holistic approach and there are very few services in Australia that take a holistic, long-term, flexible approach to the way we deal with this stuff. Worked in youth crisis and refuges and in remote communities that are funded through very specific things and the success rate is just, it's not high enough. So I guess for me, I got to a point in my life where I kind of went, oh, they stop whinging about it and do something about it or just give it away. So that's what we did. Bunch of volunteers. We just started off in an old shed. The trajectory from 2006 has just been pretty steep the whole time, but we keep getting results and all our funders, that's what they like. People like to see things that are successful. You know, we get a lot of private money. People like to know that it's well spent and that you're actually making a difference on the ground. And so for me, it was as simple as that, right? Let's 
get in and start doing it. Is one of the key differences that you can't get kicked out of Backtrack? Look, if you've been kicked out of home, kicked out of school, kicked out of the shopping centre, kicked out of the sporting team, and that's all you kind of know is getting kicked out of stuff, we've got to change that up and do something differently. So when a young person comes through the gates, the first thing they hear is you can't get kicked out of Backtrack. We're in it for the long haul. Nobody can make a young person come to Backtrack, not a magistrate, not a school principal, not a parent, not a grandparent, and they have to want to be there. So this business of choosing to be there or choosing not to be there makes good sense to me. There's a model from the First Nations people in Canada called the Circle of Courage. And they say when you get these four things in balance, everything in your life, whether it's your own personal journey, whether it's your business or your whole community, when you get these four things in balance, everything will be going well. So those four things are belonging. You must feel connected to something. And it's kind of what it's like if you ask kids to come to Backtrack, they'll go, it's like a family. So you've got to have that belonging. The next one is independence. You must have a say in your life. So that's where we talk about can't get kicked out. It's with your actions. It's your decision to be here, but you have to have a say in your life. The next one is mastery, learning. So it doesn't matter what you're learning as long as you're learning something. And the last one is generosity. So we do a lot of work in the community. We're still doing bushfire fencing uh, recovery work. We've been and helped out in the floods. We had a tornado here. Our kids are the first ones on deck to pitch in and lend a hand. So that's a little bit of giving back when the community's been so generous for us. It's important that we give that back. Looking for Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks? Then you want a Ram truck. Get into your local Ram dealer for the best selection of powerful, capable and luxurious pickups all under one roof. With Australia's best range of full-size pickup trucks, Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Visit ramtrucks.com.au or see your Ram dealer today and get into a Hemi V8-powered Ram. Enough said. Is the involvement of police in the program important? Absolutely. I mean, when we first started, it was a fair bit of push and shove and we have developed relationships with the local police here and in all the towns that we work in. I think it's fundamental and I like the police to come and see these kids when they're thriving, not just when they're out in the street in the middle of the night and causing trouble or breaking into people's houses or stealing cars. We want to see them when they're doing something positive. So we have really strong working relationships with the police. Police come down at least almost every week. We teach kids how to make coffee young baristas coming through. So we would have four or five police and very senior police as well come down and just sit and have a coffee with the kids, but they hang around for an hour and often they'll even come down when they're not rostered on. So they'll be showing up in civvies, but it's great to bring the dog squad through and chat with the guys that handle the dogs. You know, the highway patrolman comes in and sits down and talks to them. I think just today we've got a handful, and this is starting from very senior inspectors that are giving up some of their own time to come and teach kids how to drive because we understand the importance of getting a driver's license to go on and get a job. But when you've got 30 kids, doing 120 hours with each young person, is it's a stretch. It's too much for us to do. So now we have the local highway patrol guys and general duties police officers come down and spend time taking kids for driving lessons, which is pretty funny in my opinion. It's fantastic. This is obviously something you're extremely passionate about. You obviously mm-hmm. relate to these kids from what you were like at the same age. Yeah, look, I grew up in a very loving family, five kids in the family, but the school thing just didn't work for me. If I was to go to school in this day and age, I'm sure I'd be diagnosed with quite a few things, you know. Dyslexia would be one of the first ones. Reading and writing was really difficult for me. You kind of get to a point where you're getting left behind, and I worked it out pretty early on in the piece that better to be seen in front of your mates as being the bad, the tough guy 
funny guy than the dumb kid. So school was a real burden for me. My greatest achievement in life was leaving school. It just wasn't a place where I was thriving. And, and so from that background, I can see what goes on with a lot of these young people, you know, literacy and numeracy levels. When you've got a 14 or a 15 year old can hardly read and write their own name, they're up against it. That makes it a pretty tough battle. So I guess learning that stuff certainly had my share of dramas, crosses with police and pretty wild as a young fella, but I can empathise. And if I look back and reflect on what got me through those times as I got older, having sensible role models in your life make an extraordinary difference. That's a pretty easy thing to do. You know, what we have is a collection of, we don't call them youth workers. We've got a collection of big people that help look after little people. So I think just putting good, sensible role models in young people's lives can have a huge impact. Tell me about your month-long charity trip to India. It sounds as though it was a life-changing event. Yeah, look, sometimes you're just lucky. I was the rat bag at school when I was just going into year 11 and I'd gone into a trade, but family and the school pressuring me to stay at school in year 11. There were teachers that either really liked me or really disliked me. And the school chaplain was one of those people that could see through the wild stuff and see the gold underneath. So each couple of years, Father Liam Horsfall had spent, I think, about 25 years working as a missionary in India. He used to take a group every couple of years of some old boys and some kids in year 11 across. Somehow I was lucky enough to get a start on that trip. It certainly changed my life. Going and visiting leper colonies and all sorts of stuff and people really living below the poverty line, it was an eye-opener. We were lucky enough to meet Mother Teresa in Calcutta. We spent a few days working at the Hospice for the Dying. It was just a life changer for me. The stuff that I saw in there, I held a young kid's hand that was about my age, passed away while I was there. It was a pretty sad story and he was very sick and basic medicines would have kept him alive, but they didn't have them. You know, you think your life's pretty tough at home. Boy, look at what's going on here. So it had a deep, profound impact on me, but I don't think that sort of came to fruition for a, for a few years after I got back. Stayed pretty wild for a while, but further down the track came to um, really shape who I was as a young man, I think. Tell me about your plans to roll the Backtrack model out across other areas. Our dream is to help as many kids having a hard time as we can. So we've started out, we're really stable in Armadale. I think the business is about the right size for the population base. So it doesn't need to keep getting bigger and bigger. And what we were finding was more and more referrals were coming from out of town, from different states. You know, we've had kids from Victoria, from Queensland, from the Northern Territory. We've had families relocating to get their young people into our program. And that was just just mounting. It was getting bigger and bigger. Got some background noise all of a sudden. Bloody dog. Dogs howling. Hang on. <laughs> down a bit as well. I thought I heard there one for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Just hang on a sec. Knock it off. <laughs> Sorry. Are they, no- uh, are they knocking it off? Got- <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's gone quiet now. 20 dogs. I'm amazed that one command can quiet 20 dogs. I need you to come and control my one Labrador. <laughs> so we were talking about your rolling the model out across the state at least. State's too small for me and we want to help out any community that wants to make a difference and that are passionate about doing that. We've helped organisations. We've been mucking around in the space for probably about six years. We tried running one in another town, but it just wore us out and the budget was started getting too big. It wasn't the right way to do this model. This is not a franchise that you can just pick up and pop into another town. Every town and community's needs are different. And so you have to kind of tailor make a bit of a package. So the way you work with young people can be the same. But what that looks like, in the early days, everyone went, well, I can't start a backtrack because we don't have dogs. It's not about dogs. If you live at the beach, then do it around fishing or surfing or whatever it is. I think 
think if you're passionate about something, bring that forward, then it works like that. We see it all the time here in Armadale. In the old days, all the kids were running around putting on cowboy hats trying to be like me. Then we put on a really cool builder and all of a sudden all the kids had swapped the cowboy hat for nail bags. Then we put on a really good welder in our welding fabrication shed. All of a sudden, everybody wants to be a damn welder. Then we bring in a shearer and teaching shearing is really difficult for kids. It's a tough industry but we got these two really cool guys who have been shearers now everybody wants to be a bloody shearer that's back to that mentor something to look up to so each town has got to find the right people whether it's the shearer the welder the carpenter and from there you kind of build the activities around so we call it the backtrack network with either helped organizations get started from scratch and we help them however they need to kind of do it whether it's around how do you work with these really marginalized kids whether it's around how do you fund these programs whether it's around making sure you get your insurance and policy and procedures or whether it's starting a business from scratch. So we now work out in Dubbo, in Moree, in Lake Cajelago, Broken Hill, over on the coast in Maxville, just started up in Tenerfield, got a couple going in Queensland as well. We're on a roll. I think there's nine organisations now in the Backtrack Network where we can collectively apply for funding as well. But we also have 150 on the waiting list and probably not going to get to those in my lifetime. I think it shows you the need. Communities looking for solutions and when the community can take it the bull by the horns so to speak then the recipe for success is pretty high bernie thank you for the amazing work you do look forward to seeing what you achieve in future and thank you so much for being part of this great australian series no worries i'm glad the dogs hailed right on you <laughs> i better let you go perhaps i need lunch thank you bernie <laughs> Thanks for lending your ears to the RM Williams Outback Great Australians podcast. The people we featured truly inspired us and made for a great yarn, which is why they were featured in our Great Australians publication. But you know what? Our bi-monthly RM Williams Outback magazine is chock full of people just like this, as well as so many of the amazing places that are all around our country, away from the bright lights of our cities. They're brought to life through the crafted words of our writers and the talent of our photographers and their stunning images. We'd love you to become a part of the Outback family by subscribing. Go to www.outbackmag.com.au or give us a ring on 02-9028-5428 during business hours and you'll get to deal with a real human at the end of the line who will sort out home delivery for you wherever you are. That number again, 02-9028-5428. RM Williams Outback magazine is also available in Good News Agents. Now's the time to upgrade to a new Ram truck. With unrivaled Hemi V8 power and a max brake towing capacity of up to four and a half tonnes. With quick delivery available right now, you can get behind the wheel of a new Ram faster than ever. Stocks are limited, so see your Ram dealer or visit ramtrucks.com.au today. Ram eats everything else for breakfast. Stock and delivery times vary by model and dealer. 